Hello. You guys sound good. You ready for some church today? Hit your neighbor in the leg. Say, you ready? Come on. You sound good. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Uh, let me say hi to everybody. Welcome to Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Evergreen, Brussels, Belgium, both God Behind Bars campuses. We love you all like crazy, and we're glad to be doing church with you today. <clears throat> if you were here last week, we started a two-week talk called Rip the Roof Off. We said we're not just going to raise it, we're going to rip it off. And so last week, we got into a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 2. If you have a Bible, a Bible, flip open to Mark chapter 2. We're going to get right back into it. we got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. We're still going to have to have some fun today, uh, but we got to get after it, all right? So here's what we read last week. In Mark chapter 2, we saw Jesus is preaching in a house. They're having what to us would be like a church service today, and the house is full. And here comes four friends bringing a paralyzed friend, and it's so packed they can't get in, so they go up on the roof, rip a hole in the roof, and let him into the service. The text reads like this, verses 1 through 5. A few days later... When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Since they could not get, wait, whoops, some men came, sorry, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, picture this, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, notice that? He said, I'm noticing your friend's faith that they're exercising for you. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And then we skip down to verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I've had this cough for like a month. I told some people last week I might be allergic to Chad. I'm not sure. I went to the doctor this week. Finally, he said, we're going to bring out the big guns. So I'm taking three cough medicines right now. All right. May or may not be codeine in there. I may or may not be under the influence right now. But I tell you what, they're drying me out like crazy. So I'm going to drink probably this whole thing during the message. So you just got to live with that. So I said last week, you deserve to have some people in your life like what we see in this story. You deserve to have some people in your life that will exercise their faith for you, that will believe in some miracles for you, that will carry you closer to Jesus. You deserve to have some people like that in your life. You can have, you should have, and you definitely deserve to have. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get caught up because we talked about how to get real practical with that. But today, I want to look at the other side of that coin. I want to I flip that coin over because while you deserve to have that, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be that. Do you know that? 
You deserve to have people like that in your life, for sure. But you're also called to be that for somebody else's life. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're supposed to be about his mission, right? That's what it means to follow him. We're supposed to be about his mission. And in Mark chapter 2, in the same chapter that we're studying right now, he got real clear on what his mission is. He said this, verse 17, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He said, I came for the people that aren't here yet. I came for the people that haven't met me yet. I came for the people that are messed up and need to be healed, need to be fixed, need to be restored, need to be forgiven. That's why I came. So if we're followers of Jesus, this is supposed to be our mission. And so today, I want to challenge us as a church family and ask us, are we still on mission? And then I want to challenge us as individuals in this church family. Are we still on mission? And if you're visiting with us today at any location, here's what you need to know. You're not just a guest. You're the guest of honor in this place. And we're so glad you're here. And we believe God has you here for a reason today. As I've been continuing to study this rip the roof off story, it occurred to me this week that while I love their passion, the four guys that brought their friend up to the roof. While I love their passion, while I love their courage, while I love what they did, I also hate it for them. While I love what happened on the roof, I also don't think it should have happened. Let me explain. When I was in college at the greatest university in the world, Kansas University, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, go KU. That's two weeks in a row. Come on, wave the wheat. So, so... In, I lived in, in Lawrence where the university was located one summer and a whole bunch of guys had rented out this three-story house. And you know how it works in college. Two guys were on the lease, 20 people lived there, right? That's how it works. So you got this house. If you go up to the third story, you can open one of the windows. You can go out onto this huge flat roof area. And so almost any night of the week, you could go by this house if it was nice outside, and there would be anywhere from five to 15 guys hanging out on top of the roof, sitting in lawn chairs, just kicking, right? And so one night, we're up there on the roof, hanging out, and you know how sometimes when you're in groups, conversation gets real like, wow, and everyone's talking over each other, and it's all crazy and loud, but then sometimes, even when there's a group, like all of a sudden, everyone just stops talking at the same time, and the whole conversation just goes, <laughs> and it was one of those moments it just got real quiet, which was weird. And we were all just sitting there. And all of a sudden, one person spoke up. And it was Z. His nickname was Z. We're going to leave it at that. Z. Not to be confused with BZ, who helps all of us get in community here at the church and runs this place. Z. Z says in the middle of the silence, I bet I could jump off this roof into that tree. Being the great friends that we were, we said, absolutely you could. <laughs> absolutely you should, Z. And Z gets up out of his chair, and he walks over to the edge of the roof, and he starts looking down. And you can see that his demeanor is starting to change. He's starting to lose some confidence. He's starting to realize, wow, that tree's further away from this house than I thought. It's this huge tree. There's no branches, though. If you're going to jump off the roof at this point, there's no branches. The only thing that he can grab is literally the trunk, all right? That's what's going to have to happen if he's going to jump off this roof. 
Can you picture this? So he's at the edge of the roof. He's looking down, and we could tell, like, he's, I don't think he's going to go through with it. And so we did what, what real friends do. We start believing in miracles for him. <laughs> we start exercising our faith for him. And one person said, Z. And then two people said, Z. And then everybody started, help me out at every campus, Z. 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 And Z backs up off the roof and he goes running. Boom. Like a spider monkey. He goes through the air, hits this tree. Three stories up. The second he hit that tree, we were like, <gasps> and a battle ensued, and it was Z versus gravity, <laughs> and Z lost, and he went like this, and then he went like this, three stories. You want to talk about rug rash, bark burn, I guess. Looked like he had been drugged behind a car. We were all silent. We were like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> and, and I got to be honest, we, when we saw Z by the next day, we were all thinking the same thing because he was just tore up, scratches and cuts all over his face and neck and arms and inside of his legs because he was wearing shorts and a T-shirt, obviously you wear for this type of an event. <laughs> and we all thought the same thing. I loved your passion on the roof, but I hate it for you. <laughs> I love what you did. I love your courage. Probably shouldn't have happened. <laughs> That's how I've started to feel about this story as I've been studying it this week. I love what they did on the roof, but I hate it for them. I love what happened on the roof, but it never should have happened. In fact, I've started to get angry as I've been studying this story, and I'll tell you why. Because we got Jesus running a service in a house, and you got a whole bunch of religious people watching Jesus with their back to the door, and the one person who most needs to connect with Jesus for the very first time can't get in. The one person who Jesus said, that's who I came for, has to go to the roof and rip a hole in it to get in. And I'm reading that this week, and I'm starting to get angry. Because what I started to realize is everybody in there was so focused on the meeting, they forgot about the mission. And we know who was in there. Verse 6, now some teachers of the law were sitting there. These are the religious people. These are the spiritual experts. The teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? You know what they were doing? The religious specialists. They were critiquing the sermon while a guy outside just wanted to meet Jesus for the first time. They were so focused on if they liked what was going on on stage. Do I like the message? Do I like the way they preach? Do I like who's preaching? Do I like the music? Do I like what's going to happen? It was so about them, they forgot it wasn't supposed to be about them. They were so focused on whether or not they liked the meeting they forgot about the mission entirely. And I thought, whoo, Red Rocks Church, we got to look out. We got to be careful. We got we to recalibrate. We got to make sure we're still on mission here because we're starting to get some pretty packed houses. 
We got to make sure we're still on mission because, see, I know how easy it is when you attend church because we don't have a normal church set up. This church isn't built on a single personality. So I don't even talk. I talk 40% of the time, 50% of the time. Chad does the same. Then we have some other staff members teach. So I, like you, go to church often. And I know what we do. Here's what we think on the way in, right? We start thinking like, who's talking today? Wonder if it's the one I like. Come on, we're not stupid, we know. Wonder what they're going to be preaching about. Wonder if I'm going to agree with it, theologically speaking. I wonder if they're doing it right. Wonder if I'm going to get something out of it today or if it's just a waste of my time. I wonder who's singing today. I know they mix that up every now and then. I wonder if I'm going to like that. I wonder if they're going to worship too long this time. Or I wonder if they're not going to sing enough songs. Or I wonder if it'll be turned up to the volume I like. I wonder if I'll get a good enough parking spot. God forbid I have to sit in an overflow somewhere. Let's just be honest. If we don't, auto, if we don't correct on purpose, right, sometimes we get off track. And I wonder if we're coming to church asking the wrong questions. I wonder if we're coming to church so focused on what I'm going to get out of the meeting that sometimes we forget we're supposed to be coming to church because we're on mission. Because we're supposed, to, we're supposed to be about the people who aren't here yet, right? Isn't that what our mission is? So we got all these people coming in. Are we focused on the meeting or are we focused on the mission? We got to be careful. And Jesus said, let me show you what it looks like when somebody gets the courage to go to the house. When they're thinking all kinds of things like, I probably don't belong and they probably don't want me, and I probably don't believe the same, and I probably won't be welcomed, and I better just sneak in the back. I better just hide. And people come here, and they fight through all kinds of fears and all kinds of insecurities and all kinds of doubts and all kinds of guilt and all kinds of shame, and they muster up the courage to come to the house. Jesus said, let me show you what a welcome looks like. In Luke chapter 15, there's a story called the prodigal son, and it has so much to do with every single one of us. And in this story, there's a boy who realizes, I've separated myself from the Father. It's hurting my life. And he knows that he knows that he knows, like some of you do right now, because God calls us to him. He knows that he knows that he knows what I need is to reconnect with the Father. And so he musters up the courage to go home. Luke 15, verse 20, so he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Son, the son said to him, Father, no, 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 no. I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The dad says, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't get my love because you earn it. You already have it. You're my son. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That's what it looks like when somebody's welcomed to the house. I think if we could talk to Jesus today about what he saw that day. 
and compare it to what he said in Luke 15, he'd say, yeah, I loved what they did on the roof. I loved that those boys fought so hard to bring their friend to me. I loved that they cared enough about him to do that, but it never should have happened. Somebody in the party should have been watching the door, waiting on the mission to walk through. Somebody should have been running out to hug him and greet him and welcome him and say, you're loved here. You're accepted here. You're welcomed here. You don't have to sneak in. You don't have to break in. You're not just a guest. You're the guest of honor. You're why we're here today. It's a whole different way, isn't it? Looks entirely different. See, we say it all the time. We exist as a church to make heaven more we exist as a church to make heaven more crowded. more crowded. That's right. And we're going to do that by being the kind of place that welcomes home prodigals. That's who we are. But we got to be careful. Our, just our weekend attendance increased by 2,500 people in the last 12 months. The crowds are coming. We got to be careful that we don't get so focused on the meeting that we forget the mission. So focused on what I want to get out of the meeting that I forget why I'm here. Listen to this text that I got from JB this week. One of his volunteers at the Lakewood campus sent this over and said this. Yesterday, we had yet another phenomenal day. 58 gift bags were given out. We give those out to new families. 58 gift bags were given out, 15 new families, and 80 first-time visitors. That was one day at one campus. We have seven campuses doing multiple services all weekend long. So what I want to ask you, Red Rocks Church, if this is your family, when you come to the meeting, are you looking for them? Because they're here. Or are you so focused on the meeting and what you're going to get out of it and what you want it to look like and what it's supposed to do for you that you forget that we're on a mission together? If you volunteer at one of our locations, first, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for volunteering. You're what makes this possible. See, sometimes I hear people talk about serving at the church, and I hear people say things like, well, that's just not, you know, I see what area you need help in, but that's not my gifting. That's not my talent. That's not my calling. Serving as part of the local church family isn't about your gifting and calling and talents. You're not pouring coffee or, or shaking hands or finding seats or parking cars or running security or working with children. You know what you're doing every time you volunteer? You're running out to the driveway and you're giving somebody a hug and you're saying, welcome. You're loved here. You're welcomed here. You're accepted here. You're going to experience God here. That's what you're doing when you volunteer. And it's working, guys. Just last year, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ for the very first time. It's because a bunch of you are saying, I'll do whatever it takes to welcome home some prodigals. But let me just say this to those of you that this is your church family and you're not serving somewhere, would you consider joining the team, picking up a post? Don't just come here and be served week in and week out. Would you consider being a part of the mission? Because if we're gonna welcome home prodigals, in the numbers that God has been blessing us with, it's going to take all of us. And see, if we can't honor this blessing and if we can't steward this blessing, I believe we'll lose it. So it's going to take all of us. So if this is your church family, would you go to the home page of our website, hit the Get Involved button, scroll down, and get involved. There's a whole page on serving. We need your help. Red Rocks Church family, 
I want to ask you, as you come to the meetings on the weekends, as you go to your life group meetings throughout the week, would you start asking some different questions than most people? Would you start asking some different questions than we'll be tempted to ask? And instead of, do I like the speaker? And do I like the message? And do I like the music? And do I like the singer? And do I like the ministries? And do I like... What if you started asking this? Even if it's a weekend, you're not volunteering. What if you started asking this? I wonder who's going to be here today. I wonder who's hurting, who's hurting today. I wonder who, who's in need today. Let me add them. I wonder who needs to meet a friend today. Who needs a hug today? Who needs to be invited out to lunch today? Let me add them. Because I'm not here to critique a meeting. I'm here to be a part of a mission. What if we started asking those questions? Think about the difference we can make, church family. And look, I'm not saying that we're off. I'm just saying let's make sure we keep it up. I got this text this week from another out-of-state friend. He said this. I had told you my neighbor was in Denver a couple months back and went to RRC. I saw him this morning, and he told me that at least four people invited him to lunch the day he visited. That's so awesome. That's who we are. That's what it looks like. You don't have to break into this place. You don't have to feel like you have to sneak in the back. Let's, let's be waiting for him. Let's be on mission together. Jesus is in the house. Sins are being forgiven. Lives are being changed. Marriages are being mended. Addictions are being healed. Eternities are being altered. Let's not hide that. Let's not hoard that. Let's share it with the world. That's why we're here, church. And if we're going to live this way, this story in Mark 2 gives us some real practical things to be about. See, it doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter our location. It doesn't matter our vocation. It doesn't matter our personality type. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're called to help people find him. And it always starts the same way, and we see it in this story. It always starts with love. It doesn't start with, let me tell you how you've screwed up, and let me point the finger, and let me judge you, and let me look down on you. No, it starts with love. The kind of love that says, I love you so much, I'll get involved in what you're going through. Not the kind of love that says, man, that's tough. Pray for you. Oh, we should be praying. God's power shows up when we pray. But I'm talking about what if we started looking around our lives and started going, who in my life needs to be loved with the kind of love and the kind of care that means I actually get involved in what they're going through? Because see, here's what we say a lot as Christians. We look at our lot in life. We look at our current position. We're almost always dreaming of something else. We're almost always looking down the road. We're almost always hoping for something next, right? So here's what we do. We say this. Well, God has me here for a, for a reason, right? And usually, if we're honest, that reason's about us. God has me here for a reason because he's preparing me. He's training me. He's teaching me, taking me to the next level. God has me here for a reason. And that's true. But did you know that he also has you here for a person? Right where you're at, right where you live, right where you work, right where you go to school, right where your kids have games, right where you work out. He has you right where he has you right now in this stage of life for a person. 
And if you'd look around your life and if you'd say, I'm going to choose to find somebody in my life that needs fighting for, I won't give up on them when everybody else does. I won't walk away when everybody else does. I love you enough to get involved with what you're going through. I'll exercise my faith for you. I'll believe in miracles for you. I'll rip the roof off if I have to, but I'm going to carry you closer to Jesus. That's where it starts. It always starts with love. Another thing this story shows us, and I love this, I love that, that this guy's friends, they said, look, I don't have the answer, but I know who does, and they took him to the house where Jesus was, didn't they? So I'm gonna carry you to the house where the presence of God is. And we don't have Jesus in the flesh today, but we do have the local church all over the place. And some of you, you're visiting from somewhere else, you've got your own local church. Jesus went way out of his way. We know, look, we know Jesus can be everywhere at the same time, right? God is um, omnipresent, which is, right? That, that messes you up when you try to figure that out. But Jesus went way out of his way to go, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. When you get together like this, my presence is there in a real unique and a real special way. He said this, when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. And in Matthew 16, he was talking to some of his best friends and he said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not stop it. He said to some of his best friends, I'm going to build a church and it's going to start with you. And it, that, that has domino, domino, dominoed all the way to why we're meeting today in groups like this. We are that same church. And Jesus said, there's power in what I'm building. My presence will be there every time you get together and nothing can stop it. People can't stop it. Governments can't stop it. Critics can't stop it. Agendas can't stop it. Hell can't stop it. He said, I'm building my church. And we get to be a part of that. We get to partner with that. And so I want to get crazy practical for just a minute. If you're at one of our locations, would you reach under your seat right now and pick up that card that has three lines on it? I want to ask you, before you leave this service, would you ask God to give you some names to write down? that you're going to do everything in your power to bring to the house next weekend. And some of your hearts just fluttered when I said that. Some of the anxiety just started to rise as you just realized what I'm asking. That's what it feels like when you start to get off the bench and you start to get ready to play and you start to get in the game. See, next week is the single greatest opportunity we'll have all year long to invite somebody to church. Next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, at all of our locations, we're going to celebrate Easter. People who don't even like church feel guilty if they don't go to church on Easter. <laughs> this is your shot. So would you, before you leave this service, would you say, God, give me a name. Give me two names. Give me three names. Whatever it is. As we worship, God, speak to me. You give me the courage to go bring somebody to the house next week. You give me the open door. You give me the guts. I'll step out in faith. I'll get humble. I'll take a risk. I'll go for it. Let's not just have high hopes for our city, Red Rocks Church. Let's go change it, right? Let's get serious about it. So I want to ask you to take that card and fill it out before you leave here. If we're going to live this way, it starts with love. And we get real serious about sharing our church with the people around us, the people we care about. And then this story reminds us, get real serious too, about sharing your story. 
sharing your testimony. Let's reread verses 10 through 12. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And so he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I'm studying this story this week, and I'm going, why did Jesus tell him to take the mat? And that almost sounded insulting, right? Hey, by the way, don't forget the mat, bro. <laughs> like, some theologians believe this might have been the Apostle Peter's house. Did Jesus just know, like, this guy's on edge all the time, dude. Don't leave your stuff here. He'll cut you. You know what I mean? I don't know. Is he worried about seats? Yeah, they're crowded. Maybe need a few more seats. Maybe he's a neat freak. No. No, 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 no. Listen to what he's saying. That mat, that's your story. That mat, that represents what you've been through. That represents what I've delivered you from. That represents what I've gone through to get you through everything that you've had to deal with. That's your testimony. Don't you leave that behind. You take that with you. You take that mat, you take that story, and you take it with you, and you go. Don't ever forget what you've been through. Don't ever forget what I brought you through. And you go share that story with anybody who will listen. And every time you get a chance, you say, let me tell you, I don't have all the answers, but let me tell you what God did in my life. And you use the very thing. Listen, some of you need to hear this right now because you are struggling and you are fighting and you are trying to navigate some big dreams and you feel confused and you don't know how it's going to work out. Here's what you need to know. The very thing that Satan's trying to use to distract you right now, the very thing that he wants to take you down with right now, God's going to deliver you. God's going to guide you. God's going to give you victory over. You're going to take that with you. That's going to be your testimony. That's going to be your story. And every time somebody hears it, people are going to focus on Jesus and heaven is going to get more crowded. More people will go to heaven. Less people will go to hell. And the very thing Satan thought he'd take you out with, you'll use to destroy him with. That's your story. Don't ever forget your mat. Take that with you. Red Rocks Church, what we get to do blows me away. What we get to witness blows me away. Well, I'll tell you this. We're going to be a church that welcomes home prodigals. That's who we are. And if we're going to live this way as individuals, at some point, we have to say, God has me right here for a person. And I'm going to love that person. I'm going to care about that person enough to get involved. And then when God opens the door, I'm going to share my church. And I'm going to share my story. And then I'm going to do what those guys on the roof did after they lowered their friend down to Jesus. I'm going to go like this. And I'm going to let Jesus do what only Jesus does, which is change human lives for eternity. And that's not just fancy church talk. It's been happening around here since day one. Watch this video. So one, one day in business, I met this guy. His name was Ben. And um, we became friends. And I remember him. He started inviting me to his church. And he did that for probably two or three years. 
every couple months he would mention to go to church. And so I called Ben up, and by now, man, I, I don't even know how, why he answered the phone. I wouldn't have answered the phone. You know, he's a much better friend than I would have been. And I said, man, you still going to that Red Rocks church? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, I'll be there this Sunday. And I can, I can almost feel on the phone the, yeah, whatever. You know, your, your, your phone's going to break up when you get here or whatever. And I said, man, I'm going to be there. And I showed up. I showed up to church that Sunday with my wife and my, my newborn son. And I didn't know what to expect. But I showed up, and man, I loved it. I mean, I had, I had never been in a place where people cared for you, who you are, not where you are, not what you've done, not in a judgment, like a judgmental way, but really, really invest in who you are. God has really changed who I am. I have a compassion for people. I have a love for other sinners just like me because I understand where they're at. I know why they don't want to come to church. I know why when I invite them, they put me off. I understand because I was there. But I'm telling you, man, you keep investing in people's lives. And throughout the years, I've seen so many people come through here, people that I would even say had less of a chance of ever going to a church than even me come through here because Ben took the time and a couple years of inviting me and never lost faith in me. It was so bad in the way in his inviting process that his wife told him, I learned this later, his wife told him, leave Sai alone. That's perseverance. That's a love, man. And I didn't even know the guy. And he still loved me enough to invite me to church. From the bottom of my heart, from my entire family, I just want to say thank you. You, uh, I don't think you'll ever know what you invited me over and over again until I came and you never giving up on me. I don't think you'll ever understand until we get to heaven. You'll never understand what a difference that's made in my life. You'll never understand how grateful I am to you. Again, I speak of you as my best friend, an angel sent from God in my life because um, without you inviting me, I would be so lost and my eternity would not be set. And so again, Ben, I'm just, I'm just eternally grateful for you taking a risk, for you humbling yourself to invite a wretched person like me to church. Thank you, Ben. I love you, man. That's our calling right there. And wouldn't it be amazing if people in your life said that about you? I had this friend. I had this family member. I had this person. And when everybody else walked away, they just didn't. And when nobody else wanted to get involved because my life was so messed up, they just wouldn't leave. They just kept fighting for me, even though I didn't ask for it. And they exercised their faith for me when no one else did. They believed in miracles for my life when I couldn't even believe in miracles for my life. And they flat out carried me closer to Jesus. And because they did, my, look what God has done. My life is so different. Look what God has done. And now I'm going to heaven forever. That's the call. 
So would you take that card as we worship God here in just a minute? Would you take that card and would you say, God, you give me some names, some people I can go fight for this week. Let's not just talk about change in this city. Let's go do it, right? Brussels, let's not just talk about change in Brussels, Belgium. Let's go do it, right? Ladies at the God Behind Bars campus, men at the God Behind Bars campus, let's not just talk about changing our friends' lives. Let's go do it. Let's change the world together. Let me pray for you. God, you know exactly what we're going through right now. I know that there are some people in here that so desperately needed to be brought to you today. And I pray as we begin to worship that you would speak to them about their lives, about their eternities, that you would give them the courage to have that first conversation with you right now where they just say, God, I want to walk away from my past and I want to put my trust in you. I can feel you calling me. In fact, at every location with every eye closed, if that's you, if right now you know God's calling me into a personal relationship with him and I got to respond, if that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Good. Good. Raise him high. Good. Good. Amen. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here. I pray uh, that you would make yourself so real to us right now as we worship you. And I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed. And God, I pray you give us some crazy guts and courage this week to go extend some invitations to the people we love so we can come back here next week and celebrate your resurrection and your resurrection power in our lives. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. At every location, would you guys stand up and let's praise God.